Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 300 speaker files, links for you to subscribe to the podcast, and a place where you can donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Linda. Hi, I'm Linda H., Compulsive Reader. Hi, Linda. Well, I'll start out with my experience, what it was like. Um, I grew up in an overeating family. Uh, My parents and I used to sit in front of the television with a box of seeds candy, and we could tell by the shape and the swirl on the top what was inside. So we never fit into anything we didn't like, and we never had to throw anything away because we were savvy. I also remember growing up and going out and babysitting and the Mother or father would say, oh, here, you just help yourself to whatever you want. And so I would go rummaging through the cupboards and find something in a box and start eating it. And before I knew it, the almost full box was half empty. And I'd sit there and sort of try to fluff it up so it didn't look like I'd eaten so much. But basically, I wasn't overweight. Um, I grew up in the, I was a teenager in the 50s. And if you're doing the math, I'm 75 now. And at that time, single-digit dress sizes were not the norm and so I was fine the way I was and then after 10 years of marriage living in four different countries four different states and having three babies I was overweight Um, living uh, away from my home which was California I didn't have any friends I didn't have a support system I didn't have much serenity And even though I could see Mont Blanc out of my bedroom window, because I lived in a French suburb of Geneva, um, I was was distraught a lot of the time because my husband traveled and I was on my own and I didn't speak the language. And I remember when I was pregnant with my third son, uh, the doctor looked at me and whatever and said, I think you need diet pills. And, um, and I took them. And it, when I look back now, it's like, oh, my God, that was awful uh, for him to recommend it and prescribe it and for me to take them. And what it proceeded to do was, was hype me up. I was on speed, and I was like, I'm going to paint the nursery, and it's going to be beautiful for the baby. And I got the paint, and I started painting. And then I realized that eight months pregnant, climbing a ladder to paint the ceiling and the upper walls was not such a good idea. So I I got my husband to agree that he would help me paint. However, he wasn't doing it on my time schedule. He was going to do it one of the tomorrows, and I wanted it done yesterday. So to encourage him, I took the paint, and I painted on the wall a four-letter word, and (laughs) when he saw that four-letter word there, he thought, yes, I think I'd better paint it. So he did. And I had a lovely baby, and about three months later, I went into the room, and the sun was just coming through at an angle, and I looked at that wall, and I could see the faint outline of that word. And I guess I owe an amends to the people who bought that house, but I have no idea who they are or where they are. It was in Virginia, so anyway, that was my experience with, uh, with um, that doctor's pills. So fast forward for 30 years, um, and I was um, getting ready to retire. I had come back to California. I had had a career that was successful, and 
I decided I wanted to retire because I wanted to leave before I hated everybody and everybody hated me. And my only um, problem, really, was, I mean, I had friends. I had good relations with my family. I was going to have enough money in the bank. But I was really afraid I was going to sit home all day and eat and watch soap operas. I mean, I really didn't know what I was going to do with myself, and that was pretty scary. So um, I found OA, and that was uh, 15 years ago. I've been abstinent 14 years. Um, I found OA, and I went to um, three morning meetings a week, and that started off my day. And that really, that was really a um, a good thing for me. And I found a lot of strength in, in the sayings in OA and A as well, of course. And the first one was keep coming back. And I heard, kept hearing people say, keep coming back, keep coming back. And so I did. For a whole year, I kept coming back, but I didn't have a sponsor. Because, of course, I'd heard people say, well, find someone who has what you want. And I looked around, and none of you had what I wanted. But one day, I was um, listening, and somebody shared, and I thought, well, she might be good for a sponsor. And the meeting was over, and she went off to work, and I thought, well, I can't call her now. She's at work. And then there was a little voice in my head, which I now realize was God speaking to me, saying, you better call her now, Linda, because if you don't, you'll forget by 6 o'clock, or you'll have eaten something awful and be unwilling to call. So I did call and left a message, and she called back, and she became my first sponsor. And I started an abstinence of three meals a day, two optional snacks, and no sugar. And um, so I've had 14 years of that abstinence, and I'm, I'm really happy to have that food plan. And, and another four-letter word in my life has always been diet. To me, diet is a four-letter word because it's something you go on for a certain amount of time, do a certain thing, and then when you're through, you eat normally. Well, I don't eat normally. If I ate normally, I wouldn't have been over 200 pounds. I, um, so for me, having a food plan that I can stay with, that um, can last me all my life, that I'm not going to go off of, uh, I might eat a little more one day, and I may eat some stuff that has stuff in it that I'm not sure what was in it. But on, on, on the most part, I'm eating fairly sensibly. So fast forward 30 years. Oh, I did that when I'm retired. So I found, um, I found a, a, um, a sponsor, and then um, I found that some of the things that I was learning in OA really applied in my outside life. And I, I, the one that um, came to me first when I was writing these down is that uh, the one day at a time. I mean, not only in eating a certain way and being a certain way, but um, I was when I retired, I also started to square dance. And in square dancing, um, after a year there, this guy said to me, oh, I know this guy who I think you would be just great with each other, and he's coming to the dance Saturday night. Are you going to be there? And I said, well, I'm, I will, but I'll be late because it's my son's birthday. So when I got to the dance, he said, oh, there he is over there. And I looked over there, and there he was. And I thought, oh, he's too short, and he's too old. <laughs> and we talked a little bit, and he said, oh, well, uh, I'll be back in two weeks. And I said, oh, fine. And that was the end of that. And I thought, well, you know, one day at a time, if he comes back and we talk and whatever, it'll be fine. So he came back and he talked and he had been divorced. I'd been divorced 20 years. He'd been divorced 23 or 4 years. He was dying to get married. I wasn't. Um, I remember when I was still working, somebody had asked me, oh, are you dating? 
And I said, oh, no, I'm much too busy. And the truth was I felt too old and too fat. And so I had not been dating in all the 20 years I had been divorced. So at this um, dance, he took my phone number, and uh, I gave it to him one day at a time. And that was a Saturday night, and the Monday was Valentine's Day. And my sponsor and I decided that even though we didn't have any men in our lives, we could go out to dinner. So we were out to dinner, and I'm sharing about this guy and took my phone number, and and she's saying, oh, great, did he call you? And I said, oh, no, it was just Saturday, and he's not going to call tonight. It's Valentine's Day. Wrong. He had no clue it was Valentine's Day. He called me. <laughs> and, and, you know, we went out, and um, last August we celebrated 11 years of being married. So, you know, it was one day at a time. I was not... You know, I was not looking for anybody. And, you know, he's still too old and too short. But that's beside the point. (laughs) So, um, another saying that I really um, have adopted into my other life. I mean, in no way, talk about service is slimming. And, you know, service is something I've done a lot of. I've been secretaries and treasurers and delegates and whatever. But it, it also translated into my personal life. Um, when my father was 96 years old, he, um, he had a lady friend, and she said, you know, your father isn't cooking dinner anymore. He's only eating ice cream and cookies for dinner. And I thought, oh, well, that sounds good. You know, I'm a compulsive overeater. That didn't sound bad to me at all. But then I, I, then I realized that he wasn't taking his medication. He was taking like a week's worth of medication in two days. And so I really had to take charge of his life. He was fairly healthy, but he couldn't remember anything for two seconds. And at first I was resentful. I thought, oh, this is a lot of work. I have to do his money and his this and that. And, you know, I go there and turn on the water in the shower and he'd go in and turn it off and come out and think he'd have had a shower and so then I had to put soap on the washcloth and hand it to him and tell him where to rub and oh, it, was, it, was, it was not fun. And I thought to myself, if I had a sibling, then that person could help me. And then I remembered that my friend had two children and a, a friend of mine was one of two children and in both cases, one a sibling did more and one did less and the one that did more was resentful and the one that did less was guilty. And so I was really grateful that, you know, I didn't have to go through any of those dynamics. And I was able to be of service to my father for three years. And when he died at 99 peacefully in his bed, going up for a nap, going down for a nap, I did not have any amends to make. And I'm really grateful for that. And if it weren't for this program, I know that wouldn't have been the case because I wouldn't have seen it as being of service. I would have seen it as this great chore that I had to do. And um, so I'm really grateful for that. Um, Another saying that um, I've talked about a lot, and those of you who've heard me before have heard it, but is the thing about rigorous honesty. Um, You know, I, I certainly in my past would, when I got too much change at the supermarket, never take it back because... They, you know, they're not going to miss it, and it's a big company, and I don't have time to do all that and whatever other rationale I went through. But two years ago, I had to go to the DMV and get a new driver's license, and um, I started stressing over the weight I was going to put down, because the weight that was on my driver's license that had been renewed year after year after year was, uh, I hadn't been that weight in decades, so... uh, (laughs) And I kept saying when I was sharing, well, you know, if I don't put down the honest weight, my sponsor's going to make me put a red arrow and say, this is a lie, which, of course, 
was all in my head. So when I got there, I took a deep breath and I added 15 pounds to the weight. And that's what's on my um, license now. And, you know, because of this program, because of, of God's will and not mine, I'm now under that old weight. And I'm truly grateful for that. If that's, um, that's something I never thought would happen. And I'm, I know it wasn't me that did it. It was, you know, living the, the, this program in the best way I can. And um, so I'm, I'm all for rigorous honesty. And in terms of what my hope is for the future in program, um, I, I would like to have less compulsive thinking about food at times. You know, there are people in here who I've heard say, oh, you know, the, 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 the compulsive overeating and the compulsion has just been lifted. And God bless them. I, you know, that's not me. I still get that compulsive thinking. Um, I don't act out on it most of the time, but I do get it. I, I've been the um, chief cut, birthday cake cutter for my grandchildren, and um, I don't eat that, and I don't want it, and, I, and it doesn't call my name, so that's fine. But I'm cutting up the cake, I don't know, first time uh, I, I was on that duty, and it was all cut up, and I looked down at my fingers, and there was icing there. And for years of my life, what do you do with icing on your fingers? You lick it off. Well, I looked at it, and it, and it was like, oh, my God. You know, and it was, like, scary. And I went over to the sink, and I washed my hands, and it wasn't a big deal. But that compulsive thought about, you know, that, that's, you know that's free, that's whatever, I don't know. <laughs> so then, um, a couple of years later, my grandson had a birthday party at a karate studio. And um, I was cutting the cake again, and I had icing on my fingers again. But there didn't seem to be a sink around, and I didn't know where the bathroom was, and I started to think, oh, my God, there's another way to get rid of this. And, of course, I got a napkin and did it. But the craziness was still there, you know. I mean, I had, it was a new thing, and I had this no sink, and I, you know, I was panicked in, in, a, in a minor way. So, um you know, it, it's still there. Another time that I had this compulsive thinking recently was I was at a installation lunch and I knew there would be uh, things being passed around. I had this thing that I don't eat anything from a basket. And so uh, when I went to a, a Mexican restaurant once, instead of having those chips in the basket, it was in a silver bucket. So it's like, oh, it's in a silver bucket. It's not in a basket. <laughs> But I didn't eat them. I don't really even like them, but I didn't eat them. But at this dinner, the, a lunch installation thing, there were basket being passed around. And, you know, it didn't bother me. I passed it along. I was perfectly fine until the woman, like three seats to my left, said, Oh, they're warm. And that just, <laughs> that was just, oh, my God, they're warm, you know. And it, it just, just shows me that when I think I've got it all together, something like that comes along and it throws me. I mean, I didn't eat them, but the crazy thinking was still there. So I would like, you know, to have less of that crazy thinking, but I don't know. I may always have it, and, I, um, you know, one day at a time I will deal with it. Another thing I'd like is to pray more during the day when I encounter problems. Um, I have a, a, a practice of praying in the morning. I say the first three steps and three prayers, and then I pray for 
people in my life or people who are in the lives of people in my life. And, um, and I do the same at night before I go to bed. But during the day when I encounter, you know, a, a, a printer that has stuck paper and I can't get the paper out and I need to print something and now, um, I, don't, I don't stop and pause and pray. I get on task and pull it out and turn it over and call my husband and whatever. And I'd like to be able to pray more before I go into, um, you know, panic mode. Um, and that's something that I need to work on. And the other thing I hope for is that I will do more reading from the big book. I mean, I go to two meetings a week that read the big book. And, um, and I have the big book on my Kindle. But I don't always read... Um, at home or when I'm traveling, which is why I got it on my Kindle. And I would like very much to, to do that. Um, the other day we were reading um, in the big book, Dr. Bob's story, and it stopped right where it says, and then Prohibition came along. And usually I think, you know, these alcoholic stories I cannot relate to very easily. But it just flashed in my mind, you know, Prohibition came along. They stopped making Twinkies, and everybody went crazy and bought up boxes. And I remember at the time thinking, thank God I don't have to do that. I don't, you know, they're not my food. I don't need them. I don't need thousands in a box in my cupboard. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I, that I don't need them. I'm grateful that, um, you know, that I, I can see my story in, in almost everyone, and even in the, in the stories that originally in the big book, I thought, you know, this doesn't pertain to me. So that's about all I have to say, and so I'd like to take any questions that people have and finish up my time that way. Anybody have any questions? I spoke too fast. Uh, so she's asking me what amends I had to make. Well, I had to make amends to my mother because she had um, she had died about ten years earlier, and she um, was in, a, in a, a nursing home for a really long time. And I would come after work, and she would be very anxious to know what was happening in my day and and what was going on. And I knew she wanted to know like the inner stuff, my feelings and my fears and all of that. And I did not share any of that with her. Um, I was angry at the time because, um, I guess because I'd worked hard all day and had to go visit her. And because, you know, she had not ever shared any of her stuff with me. I wasn't brought up. I mean, I learned how to do that in therapy, not, not from my mother. So when she died, I wrote her a letter and, um, you know, and made the amends for not sharing with her and not giving her the connection she wanted with me in those last um, months that she was um, in a nursing home. Um, I, made, I made some amends, you know, to people who, when I said, I'm really, you know, I'm making, I want to make amends for this and this and that, they said, oh, really? Did you do that? I don't remember that. So that was, that was easy. Uh, um, I, I made amends to my children. Um, all three of my sons have had weight issues and two of them are overweight and I really made an amends to them because I feel like this disease which was passed on by my mother I passed on to them and if I had been in program earlier and had some sanity around food they might have been saner around food than I am and then I made um, let's see I made an amends to 
I suppose I should have made an amends to my husband for forcing him to paint that, my ex-husband, forcing him to paint that room, but I don't think I did. Um, trying to remember that, I, I've, I've done this, I've gone through the steps three times, and each time when I think I'm, you know, I'm through with, um, I've done it all, you know, something else will, will come up, and I will have to, um, you know, make an amends um, uh, to someone else that I didn't even remember I had, had to make an amends to. But um, I didn't have a real horrible long list, but it, um, I, had a, I had a friend that um, we fell out because I had done this um, thing about, she would say, let's go out to dinner, okay? I would say, okay. Let's stay in, okay? Let's go to this movie, okay? And I would say, okay, okay, okay. I was people-pleasing. And then one day I wanted something, and she said, oh, no, I can't do that. And I was really ticked off. It's like I, I said yes a hundred times, and I just want one thing, and you won't give it to me. And I realized when I was making my amends list that my part in it was that I was always, you know, people-pleasing. I was always saying yes, and I never stuck up for myself or said, well, how about this or, or something else. So when I really did, I was really resentful. And so I called her. I hadn't seen her in a long time, and, I, and we met at um, Hamburger Hamlet. And I got there, and she was drinking a beer. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is going to be fun. But anyway, it was fine, and I made my amends. And then she made some, too, which is really nice, because there's often times when you think, well, I owe them amends, but, you know, they owe me one back. And um, my sponsor, you know, got me out of that thinking. And so when somebody did make an amends back to me, that was, that was really sort of a bonus. The question is, how many meetings do I go to and how has it changed? I started out with the three morning meetings a week at, at the, the church in Ocean Park. And then there was a Saturday meeting that got started by somebody who I knew, and so I started going to that. And then I got to be secretary of one of the morning meetings with somebody else. And both of us went to the same meetings, and I thought, I need to find some different speakers. So I started going to a Sunday morning meeting. And I stayed there. Actually, I have a, a commitment to that meeting now. So I go to five meetings a week, and I'm really lucky because I get to walk to all of them. And over the years, my my um, exercise used to be, well, I'm square dancing a couple times a week, and, you know, I walk to the corner store a couple of times a week, and that seemed to be enough. But now I, I walk um, to all five meetings, and that's been a real blessing. So that's I'm doing five meetings a week. Uh, she wants me to talk about my disease while I'm dating and in my marriage. Um, well, the thing I remember most was that when he moved in, which was before we got married, um, he brought with him this whole bunch of sugary candy, I don't know what it was, and put it in the cupboard, like right at eye level, and I thought, oh, I can't, I can't live with this. So I found a drawer in the living room that, you know, he could put it in and close it. So I didn't have to look at it. I mean, you know, there's no reason. I wasn't going to eat it, but I didn't want to look at it, you know, five times a day. Um, in terms of when we were still dating, I don't know. I mean, I explained it to him. He um, He's not too interested. Um, <laughs> this morning we were driving somewhere, and I was wanting to share one of my little stories and he wasn't too interested so but he um, he the thing that I, I, I when I came into program I was a vegetarian and so I was cooking for me one way and cooking for him another way because that was what happened when I um, when I 
got married the first time at 20 years old. And um, he just never liked what I was cooking. I mean, he never said anything. He never said, this is awful, or I don't like this. But I could tell he didn't like it. And I was cooking all these things with meat for him. And he wasn't liking it. And, and then I thought to myself, you know, why am I doing the cooking? He, um, he's retired. I'm retired. I do some part-time work. He does no part-time work. He could cook his own meals. So I said, I said to him, you know, um, I think I'm going to not cook your meals anymore. Maybe you can do a better job and like the stuff that you cook better than I do. I mean, he wanted, I don't know, he wanted tomato sauce on something that I knew didn't go and I just couldn't handle it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he started cooking and um, I still make a salad for both of us at night. And, um, you know, I, it's, the thing about getting married when I got married in my... 60s, um, is that you don't have to do all those traditional roles that I did when I got married in my 20s, and, um, and, it's, and it's a lot easier. I mean, we, we don't have to, um, to share everything, and it doesn't have to, and I don't have kids that I'm feeding, so I just have to take care of my own food, and that's really good. So there isn't, if he, if he brings in something, it's, it's put away, it's not right in my face, so that's, that's helpful for me. Yes, Corey. Well, um, it, that's a good question. I, I think I've always wanted to have somebody who wasn't too um, strict and too rigid in how it was going to be. And I'm not sure how I found that, but I did. Um, you know, I guess I wanted a sponsor that sponsors the way I do. I have three people I sponsor, which is, you know, to be accepting and to make suggestions but not necessarily have um, you know in you must rules um, you know she has taken me through the steps twice and then we were recently going through all the traditions and reading them and I write something and we talk about it and um, and that's fine um, I've never emailed in my food although there are times when I think I should but she's never suggested it, and I haven't suggested it. Um, but I guess I'm, I look for somebody who, you know, I've seen in meetings who, when they share, it resonates with me, who has a life that may be similar to mine. Um, when I, My first sponsor um, was single, and when I got married, uh, she said, I think you need to have a sponsor that's married because she wasn't, and I was obviously having some issues. I don't remember they were at the time. Maybe that he forgot Valentine's Day. Um, but, um, and so I, I left her, and I found somebody who was married, and then she got too busy and left, dumped me. I always say she dumped me, but she didn't really. And then I went for a whole year, and guess who was my sponsor? Me, and that does not work. But I did, I did have a year in between where there was no one. And then I just found someone in a meeting who I thought was um, sensible and seemed to be working a good program, and and um, and asked her. So it, it's 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 more an intuition. I mean, I grew up all my life in my head, thinking, being smart, and it was only. When I got the job I did and I had to hire people that I started looking at my intuition and thinking, you know, it doesn't feel right, I'm not going to hire that person. And so I have learned over the years to, to depend on my intuition and how it feels and just go with it. And, you know, I mean, we all know that we choose somebody and if it doesn't work out, 
we can leave them or they can leave us. It's, it's a little easier than getting a divorce, but not much. Anyway. Well, my, I've, I told you my option is three meals a day, two snacks, and no sugar. Um, I think many people say it's, it's, you know, what you don't do. Um, I think it's, to me, my food plan and my abstinence are the same. Um, I have other things that I don't do. People talk about red light foods, green light foods, yellow light foods. And, you know, to me, the, the basket in the restaurant is a, is a red light food because it's in a basket. If that stuff were somewhere else and I had portioned it out or decided I was going to eat it, it'd be okay. But when I eat it at a restaurant, it, um, it calls my name and I don't eat a normal portion, whatever that is. Um, so to me, abstinence is, is, I mean, it's different for everybody, and I think that's the, the beauty of the program. It, it, it can be whatever you need it to be. And it's, and it's a commitment. Basically, it's a commitment, you know. I'm not going to eat standing up uh, on one foot, you know. Well, okay, if that's your, if that's your abstinence for today, okay. Now, then if your goal is to lose weight, that's not going to work. So it depends on what you want. I mean, a lot of people just want to be eating sanely. Some people want to lose weight. Some people, um, you know, want to avoid the after effects of eating certain foods because they cause problems. Some people, you know, want to be healthy. Um, so I don't know if I've answered your question, but that's that's what I... Yes, my relationship with my higher power. Um, before I came into the program, it was like, oh, God, I w- get me a parking place in front of that house or something. And... Um, since I've come into program, I have really, um, I feel like my higher power is there. Um, I talked about even way early on when I felt it was God's voice. Once I um, was going on the Third Street Promenade to the store where they sold sugar-free candy, when I got there, there was a sign out of business. And I felt that was, you know, that's God's, that was God talking to me. Uh, um so, to me, God is, is my higher power. Um, basically, God's in charge. I, things have happened in my life that I have had no control over. And, you know, I feel like it was God's will that I lose the weight after I was honest on my, on my uh, driver's license. Um, I feel like God is there um, for me, although I don't always you know, make that commitment or that get in touch with that that higher power. But it's it's definitely a part of my life and it's definitely um, when I say my prayers in the morning and in the evening I can feel like a serenity come over me and I can feel a peace. And um, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that, you know, I have a higher power that I that I feel is in my life and you know I don't ask for parking places anymore because I like to park far away and then I get to walk further so she asked me about holidays and wedding cakes and how I deal with sugar Um, I went to Monty's bakery on Fairfax to get a sugar-free wedding cake and um, as some of you know I wear a lot of purple and I wanted a lavender wedding cake so we went and tasted them and I got a carrot cake that was sugar free and I wanted lavender icing and it arrived uh, with blue icing but it was sugar free and so I I wanted to be able to um, 
<laughs> I wanted to be able to have some. We had a, a cake for our engagement, and I didn't eat any, and I put a piece in my freezer, and I was saving it for, like, when I was going to eat sugar again, and then I realized several years ago that that was ludicrous and I threw it away. But I did save it because I was like, well, maybe one of these days I'm going to want my wedding, my engagement cake. And in terms of um, holidays, um, I he is fine with eating recipes that are made with Splenda. I have a pumpkin thing I, you know, I do with Splenda. And he's fine with that. So I don't, you know, I can have something that I can eat. And he will, you know, he sometimes... Um, does that for himself, um, but I mean he's a, he uses Splenda and um, doesn't always use sugar. But when we're out and there's a lot of food with square dancing, he eats whatever, and I don't. So it, it hasn't become a problem, um, you know, as long as he keeps his stuff put away. I mean he bought a big bag of M and M's at Costco, and I don't know, it's been there three or four months. Well, if I had bought it, and I'm talking big. If I had bought that, it would have been gone in a week or two. But it's out of the way, and it's, I, I mean, I can see it. It's still there. So he's normal. It's annoying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I just white sugar, anything that says sugar on the, on the corn syrup, I mean, those things. Um, I will eat things that have sugar substitutes in them. Um, uh, you know, I mean, there's sugar in dairy products, but I don't count that. I mean, if you look at a dairy product, it does have some grams of sugar, but that's from the milk, and I, I do eat dairy. So, um, and, you know, if, if it's, if it's uh, you know, the fifth or sixth thing in, on some thing, I, I will eat it. But I don't eat the, you know, the desserty things that are mostly just sugar. And... Uh, and um, you know, and, and that's been that's been fairly easy for me. Uh, as I say, for the holidays, I can I can make something, and um, and can, that I can eat. Thank you very much for letting me share. <laughs>